TII Item 263, April 2nd, 2013, iOS 6.1.3, T-Mobile, and more. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by the TII app, the official app for the Today in iOS podcast. Search for TII in the iTunes app store. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Chris for sending in the music here in the background. Chris wrote, Hi, Rob. Here's a tune my son, age 16, made using his iPad 2 and GarageBand. Regards, Chris Andrews and son. Thanks to Chris and son for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Jim for sending in the artwork for today's show. Jim wrote, Hi, Rob. Here is a photo taken with an iPhone 5 camera using the True HDR app and the PhotoPad app on the iPad 1 to edit the picture. Regards, Jim from Lakewood, Colorado. Well, Jim, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Jim's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 263, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. As always, if you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, so music on the mobile phone is going to disrupt the iPod, but Apple's just about to launch the iPhone. The iPhone is a sustaining technology relative to Nokia. In other words, Apple is leaping ahead on the sustaining curve by building a better phone. But the prediction of the theory would be that Apple won't succeed with the iPhone. They've launched an innovation that the existing players in industry are heavily motivated to beat. It's not truly disruptive. History speaks pretty loudly on that, that the probability of success is going to be limited. Unquote. Clayton Christensen, author of Innovator's Dilemma, 28th June, 2007. The problem with Clayton, the author of Innovator's Dilemma, was he was looking at past history to try to talk about innovating. I wonder if he read his own book. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 262, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Scoreboard Tap Volleyball. I'll be giving out those promo codes sometime in the next week. If you want more info on that app, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 262 for the additional details. This week, we have promo codes for a few apps. The first app is the app Pocket KPI, all one word. Here is a written review from the dev. Hi, Rob. Pocket KPI is a business app that enables companies of any size to publish KPIs, key performance indicators, to employees' iPhones quickly and cost-effectively using their existing systems and developers. It is a bit of a niche area, but we think we might have hit on something that other apps competing in this space miss. Flexibility and simplicity all wrapped in a visually attractive interface. Key features are view indicators in a clear and beautiful designed interface, display an unlimited number of KPIs, configure color coding to reflect your tolerances, host data on any existing web-facing infrastructure. Regards, Jason. Well, thanks, Jason, for the written review of your app, 
pocketkpi and for the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code of this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put pocketkpi, one word, in the subject line. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Chronicles. Here is the review from the dev. Dexter from MC Squared, and I'm the creator of the iPhone app Chronicles, the timer and stopwatch recorder. Chronicles is a useful timer app that records time taken to do absolutely anything. What's unique about Chronicles is that not only can you set timers for yourself, but for other people, and even objects too. Use Chronicles to record the time spent on a job, or to give your kids a time limit to watch TV, or to make sure that time-sensitive machine you're operating is within its guidelines. Using Chronicles is simple. Select a person or object, then select an activity. Now choose either the stopwatch or the timer, and then hit start. Mark your most used combinations as favourites, and each timer that's recorded is saved in the app's inbuilt calendar that can also be exported. Chronicles can show you the total time spent for any person doing any activity for any day period. You can imagine my shock when Chronicles told me my five-year-old spent close to 16 hours on the iPad last week. Chronicles is in the App Store now for $1.99, and there's a free version for you to try out. If you have any questions, send an email to apps at emcesqid.com. Thanks, Dexter, for your review of your app, Chronicles, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Chronicles in the subject line. The third app we have promo codes for is the app Master of Alchemy Vengeance Front. Here is the review from the dev. We are from Darkwave Games, a gaming division of littlebit.it, a digital agency based in Italy. Master of Alchemy Vengeance Front is our newest game in the Master of Alchemy series. Our game is an original puzzle where you have to manipulate matter using different tools to modify the flow of liquid, solid, gaseous elements in order to progress through each level. In this new episode, we spend a lot of time on balancing the rise of the difficulty among levels, improving the learning curve. We think we have done a good job and pushed the game a step forward. The game features also brand new graphics, with the same steampunk style of the first title. We worked very hard also to improve the physics engine to achieve smoother and realistic particle movements. And we also added new interactive environments, such as cold areas that change the state of the particles and obstacles to make them move differently. Using all these new features, we create more than 15 non-linear levels that brings you hours of fun. We hope you guys will enjoy Master of Alchemy Vengeance Front. Thanks to the devs for their review of their app, Masters of Alchemy Vengeance Front, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put master in the subject line. The fourth app today, that's right, the fourth app we have promo codes for is the app Polynom. Here is the review from the dev. This is Lucas from Innovepta, and here is our introduction to Polynom. Polynom is an app that helps you with your mass exercises. It provides step-by-step solutions and detailed explanations. With Polynom, your math homework will be much easier. You simply enter a term or an equation, Polynom automatically figures out what to do and presents an appropriate step-by-step solution. You can tap once to get an explanation or pinch out to show additional steps. To recall exercises at a later time, you can save them in your personal library. Polynom works completely offline. It's designed for iPhone and iPad and is available for $2.99 on the App Store. Check it out! Thanks to Lucas for his review of his app Polynom and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Polynom, P-O-L-Y-N-O-M, in the subject line. This app will not be live in the App Store until April 2nd, so which is actually when this is going out. So it should be live by the time you hear this. As always, 
just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then well, no soup for you. A quick reminder, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge to you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less article review of your app indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, make sure to let me know when they expire. And if you don't have promo codes or to give away, or if your app is free and you still want to get a review of your app up on the show, you can just send in the 60-second or less review of your app, again, making sure to mention up front you are the dev, and we'll work it into a future episode, just not at the beginning of the show. I am surprised nothing has been announced yet about WWDC 2013. For those not in the know about that acronym, that is Worldwide Developer Conference for 2013, which is Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. As soon as I hear about this, I will send out a push. Last year, it sold out in less than two hours. If you are a dev and hear about it, send me an email letting me know right away or right after you reserve your spot. I can't imagine this year it even goes past an hour and a half before it sells out. Last episode, I talked about the NCA March Madness Live for iPhone app and doing the tournament bracket as a group for TII. Seems that this is the only freaking bracket app in the world that locks itself down for the first four games on Tuesday. Wow, that kind of sort of sucked. I heard from quite a few of you that tried to get into the bracket and couldn't because it was already locked down. Sorry, folks. I, I mean, I, all I can say is sorry. I expected it to stay open until Thursday's big kickoff, uh, what they call round two. And when I say that, I really, really mean it, as I did not even get my bracket picks in on time for my own bracket challenge. Oh! So next year, I'll do the bracket challenge for TI listeners on, say, CBS's main site, and not through this app, because, well, that was not a good user experience. Sorry to all that missed out. I think only seven people actually got their brackets in by Tuesday evening when uh, the brackets kicked off. And now into the news. Apple has finally updated the podcast app. And since this is an iOS podcast, this seemed like probably the best place to start the show with. Some of the key changes with the podcast app. Well, one, it does not crash nearly every time you open it. So it is much more stable. I think Apple technically calls that, quote, additional performance and stability improvements, unquote, which is actually the last item they list, but the first one as far as I'm concerned. You can now create custom stations with multiple podcasts listing the most recent episodes. Think of that as the Stitcher feature. Playlists are now synced. Yay! Or about time, depending on your level of frustration. Apple killed their skewformoric elements. I hate that word, skewformoric. Anyway, they killed the skewformoric element, that is the items that look like real-world devices. In this case, the reel-to-reel player was axed. Now, I don't hate skewformoric elements. I actually like the reel-to-reel player. I just don't like the word skewformoric. And the biggest reason I don't like it is because I can't pronounce it. I sent out a push on the TI app asking for feedback on your thoughts about the new version of the podcast app. And while it ran the full spectrum... Here is some of that feedback. Hey Rob, per the podcast app, what a mess. Ended up with a million badges on each of my shows for long ago listened to episodes. Also sorry that Apple via Cook and Ive are getting away from anything skew from work. I always, 
I was always a fan of those touches. Guest calendar will lose the blotter pad as well. Everything will be vanilla. How PC regards Jeff and Burbank. Hi, Rob. Looks like the podcast app has some likable new features. For starters, I like the number that I haven't listened to showing up like, much like being alerted that one has email that haven't been opened. Regards, Earl, London, Canada. Hi, Rob. I was thrilled to try out the new version of the podcast app, particularly with the iTunes playlist support. Well, it's a mixed bag. It did import my playlist for my podcasts and displayed the various podcasts in order as defined by the playlist. I noted that I had to go and reconfigure the display slash play order for each playlist, but then it played the various podcast shows as I wanted them. Yay. However, this morning when I grabbed my phone, I was shocked to see that it had downloaded all of the podcast shows. Now it shows I have well over a thousand shows to listen to. So it doesn't quite sync properly with iTunes. The playlists are intact, only showing those that I wanted to, but each podcast downloaded everything. More puzzling is when I look at the podcast settings, they are still showing auto download as off. So why did they download? I think this gets the app at least back to what the music app used to support with respect to playlists. Regards, Brian. Thanks, Brian. You're the only one actually that sent in an email saying that it had downloaded a lot of episodes. And we did look on the stats on Libsyn and did not see any spike in download traffic when the podcast app came out. And we haven't seen a spike since then. So it appears to be an isolated case where it was downloading all of the episodes into your app. If anyone else had this happen where it downloaded lots and lots of episodes into the app, chewed up all your uh, memory on your iPhone, let us know. Back to the feedback. Hi, Rob. Per the new version of the podcast app, I really like the sleep button location and the ease of use. I also like the fact that it warns you when the app will use your cellular data to download the podcast you selected. So overall, I think it's greatly improved from Apple's first attempt. Regards, Jose A. Bez. Bez. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Hey, Rob. Per the update of the podcast apps, let me tell you, it is a far cry from the disaster, which was the previous versions. I am relieved that it does away with most of the skeuomorism of the previous version, as well as fixes the episode downloading issue and allows it to play episodes from the point at which you stop listening to it, as opposed to possibly having to restart the episode. I have also found that the app is more stable while running behind other apps, although I have noticed it randomly pausing sometimes still. But at least now it is usable. Regards, Jazen Zezleski. Zezleski? Hi, Rob. Apple scored on the update of the podcast app. Improvements include easy access to old and deleted episodes and a quick way to force an update of all episodes. Thankfully, the update did not mark as unplayed every episode of every podcast in my library. Regards, Jim. Hi, Rob. I love the update to the podcast app. The update now lets you delete podcast subscriptions or individual episodes right in the app. It also makes it easier to refresh. Couldn't be happier. Regards, Lori B., Frisco, Texas. Hi, Rob. The updated podcast app is crap. Best regards, Joel D. Hi, Rob. FYI, podcast version 1.2.1 addresses a problem with refreshing some podcasts and an issue with upgrading to podcast 1.2. Regards, Jim. Hi, Rob. You asked for us to send feedback on the podcast app. 
Well, let me tell you, I love it. It's very easy to search and find whatever podcast you're looking for. And it's also very easy to press download and it just downloads. For example, you can set it up for it to download only via Wi-Fi, so you will not run out of cellular data if you don't have an unlimited plan. Regards, Jose B. As I said, the responses ran the full spectrum. One person complained all the episodes downloaded. Again, I did not see that or did not hear that from anyone else. Some like that the tape-to-tape reel is gone. Some mourn it. I fall into the mourn it side. I like that touch even if completely useless. But looking at the responses overall, more people than not like the update of the podcast app, especially when compared to the previous version. I personally like it. One thing I don't like is they changed the go forward 30 second or go back 10 second option on old versions to go forward or back 15 seconds on the new version. So no more jumping ahead 30 seconds. You can only jump ahead 15 at an increment. Also remember, If you have a limited data plan or a pay for data on a variable rate, you will want to go to the settings app, then find the podcast app and turn off cellular data so that you are only getting downloads or streaming episodes via Wi-Fi. I have used the podcast app a lot in the past, and I do feel this version is better as far as stability point of view goes. Apple said to me previously, their goal is to get the podcast app to be the best podcatcher in the App Store. Are they there yet? Nope. But they did take a big step in that direction with version 1.2.1. Hopefully the next major update will continue that trend. And since they support playlists, lots of the feedback people sent in about getting MP3s into the apps really doesn't make any more sense um, per the caller on the last show. Plus he also called in and said he found a solution. So I'll skip over that feedback and say try the podcast app, especially if you have playlists for podcasts, as they are finally supported now in the podcast app. Well, Apple rolled out iOS 6.1.3 back a little after the last episode went up. What is new with 6.1.3? Essentially, it is just a security update, specifically for that lock screen bypass issue. That, that's the one if you jump through hoops just the right way, you could get some access to the device, which we talked about again on past episodes. And now with 6.1.3, that bypass is blocked. Apple also patched some of the vulnerabilities used to jailbreak with evasion, which means if you want to jailbreak, do not upgrade to 6.1.3, stay at 6.1.2. Here's some listener feedback from listeners with regards to 6.1.3. Hi, Rob. Just a quick email to say, wow. Is it me, or is everything more stable and solid with iOS 6.1.3, or am I imagining it? I love the update and the Apple Podcast app, and it's now five stars from me and my app of choice. Regards, Craig in Liverpool. All right, since we upgraded to iOS 6.1.3, our battery life seems to be greatly reduced. The location service arrow is always displayed, even if no apps are running. This is true on my iPhone 5 and my wife's iPhone 4S, Wondered if others were having a similar experience regards Sandy and Carl. Carl, yours is the only one that I heard of this issue from with the battery life and the location arrow always being on since upgrading 6.1.3. That does not mean you are the only one. Just you're the only one that said any issue about that. That said, if you upgraded to iOS 6.1.3 and are seeing any issues, especially with the location services, and you were able to find a solution, 
For the problem with the location services arrow staying on, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. With all iOS updates, there are always some additional problems found, and 6.1.3 is no exception. First up, a new lock screen exploit has already been discovered that will allow access to contacts and photos. This latest one actually requires you to eject a SIM card midway through a voice-controlled initiated phone call. And it only affects owners of the iPhone 4 and 4S with Siri disabled. Yep, lots of hoops on this one. I guess expect iOS 6.1.4 anytime now. 2102 days ago, the iPhone launched on AT&T. And in less than a dozen more days, April 12th to be specific, T-Mobile will finally get the iPhone. If you are a T-Mobile customer that has been holding out for the iPhone, stuck with your old feature flip phone, then your long, long, long wait is finally about to end. T-Mobile is changing things around on going contract-free, which means they are not subsidizing the iPhone. No more long-term contracts with ETFs. Instead, you pay upfront for the iPhone at $580, and that gets you the 16 gig version, or you pay $99 down to start with and pay an additional $20 a month for 24 months to pay off the iPhone. T-Mobile's main monthly plans will be $50 a month for unlimited talk and text and 500 megabytes of 4G data. If you go to $60 a month plan, you get 2 gig of data and the $70 a month plan gets you unlimited data, talk, and text. Pre-orders for the iPhone 5 on T-Mobile start on April 5th. Now, if you are looking at taking your current unlocked iPhone 5 purchased from AT&T over to T-Mobile, your iPhone 5 will work on the T-Mobile HSPA plus 2100 megabit per second and LTE networks, though it will not work on T-Mobile's HSPA Plus 42 megabits per second network. The next iPhone 5 sold by T-Mobile will support the HSPA Plus 42 megabit per second network plus LTE on T-Mobile. But right now, if you already have an iPhone 5 and you plan to take it over to T-Mobile, note it won't work on all of their networks. And by won't work, I mean it won't connect data on some of the higher speed networks. It just means you'll drop to a slower speed network connection for data. And let's make this a little bit more confusing. If you have a CDMA iPhone 5 in the US, likely from Verizon or Sprint, it will only work on T-Mobile's 21 megabit per second HSPA+, but not on the 42 megabit per second HSPA+, and not on the LTE network. But really, chances of you having an unlocked iPhone 5 CDMA version are pretty slim right now. And you are best waiting until April 12th to get a new iPhone 5 if you want to be on T-Mobile's network that works across all of the T-Mobile spectrums. And if you are all confused about this, don't worry. I bet most people at AT&T and T-Mobile and Apple are as confused as well. One of the better articles going over this is from GigaOM titled, Setting the Record Straight. T-Mobile, look for it in the show notes for episode 263 over at todayinios.com. CNET also had an article talking about differences of the T-Mobile phone. One, there is unlimited 4G FaceTime. T-Mobile's iPhone 5 supports HD Voice, which is a hardware software feature for better audio quality for phone calls. However, HD Voice is one of those features that requires both callers 
the caller and the call E to have HD voice compatible phones iPhone 5, Galaxy S3, HTC One S, and the Nokia Astound are some uh, and most of the HD voice compatible phones out there. One way the iPhone 5 is different from other T-Mobile phones, it will not initially offer Wi-Fi calling at launch. Sounds like it might be made available later on as hinted by T-Mobile, but not confirmed by T-Mobile. So now that the iPhone is finally on the four major carriers in the US, which plan is for you? Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon, or AT&T? Well, if you go to Unlimited Everything and you want to compare plans that way, then you're looking at $110 a month for Sprint, Verizon, and AT&T. No collusion there. Note, Unlimited Everything means four gig of data on Verizon and AT&T. With T-Mobile, you're looking at a $90 a month plan for unlimited everything after you add the $20 a month payment for the phone. With T-Mobile, after 5 gig of data, they put a parking brake on and throttle down your data usage. So looking at the two-year cost for the iPhone 5, it is $2,840 from Sprint, AT&T, and Verizon. It is just $2,260 on T-Mobile. Those costs count the $199 upfront fee for Sprint, AT&T, and Verizon, and the $99 upfront fee for T-Mobile. So T-Mobile will cost you $100 less at the start and $20 a month less going forward for a total savings of $580 over two years. Mind you, this is when comparing the everything plans, which does not actually include mobile hotspots for Sprint that's an additional $20 a month for two gig of tethering. Hotspots are included in the AT&T and Verizon plans, but since they limit to four gig of data, you can't really go crazy. T-Mobile gives you 500 meg of tethering data out the gate with, a base, with their base plan, and then more data tethered at an additional charge. No information on what those charges are yet. Of course, if you really want to save money, you could go to Virgin Mobile or Straight Talk as Straight Talk will run you $649 for the iPhone 5 up front, but only $45 a month for the unlimited talk, text, and data plan for a total cost of $1,729 for two years, which is $1,111 less than Sprint, AT&T, and Verizon, and $530 less than T-Mobile. But if you're on a business plan and you have to use T-Mobile, good news for you. The iPhone is officially going to be available for you to talk, tell your IT guy about so that you can get an iPhone through your T-Mobile business plan as of April 12th and ordering as of April 5th. Hey, Rob. This is Hector calling from Miami, Florida. In reference to your latest show, gentleman called about the AT&T uh, microcell where AT&T didn't want to provide him a microcell. I can only speak for Sprint. Uh, I was having an issue in my home and after multiple I mean, I had to, to, like you said, maybe fight them. I had to just multiple times call and go through the, all these things, all these hoops that they kind of make you hop through. I finally managed to get somebody after threatening to cancel my service, and they did provide me a Sprint microcell, which works terrific inside the home. One thing that they explained to me was that if you have good coverage, in your area, then they pretty much blame your home for not receiving signal. So they, they feel that they have no responsibility to cover you in the home if your area has good signal. 
but I think if you if you scream at them enough and, and fight it enough, they, they, they will provide it. One downside to the microcell, at least the Sprint one, once you connect to it, you're kind of stuck to it. So basically, if you come in with, you know, talking to someone on the phone, you will not automatically switch to the microcell. <clears throat> you have to end that call and then call again from the home. Uh, and it goes the other way around, too. If you originate the call from inside the home, once you step outside, you will lose that signal and then have to call the person back. But other than that, inside the home, it's it's terrific. I can finally talk in my home. Anyway, Rob, love the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob, this is Justin from Pennsylvania. I'm calling back on a follow-up to, uh, I just called last week about the microcell. I wanted to let you know that after fighting with them after for a little bit, I was able to get them to give it to me for free. They sent me back to the store and back inside a couple times, so I guess I lost like $50 in hours of my life. But I got it, uh, I guess in monetary value, I got it for free. So I guess if, if you keep bouncing around, eventually someone will give, but um, they don't want to do it. They really want you to pay at least $100 for it, um, which I was going to do, but hey, you know, I put in some time, and like I said, I got like a $150 discount on it. So just let the audience know you can get a Microsoft for free. Thank you very much, Rob, and I really appreciate the feedback. Thank you. Bye. Hector and Justin, thanks for the voicemail messages. And Justin, great to hear that there was a happy ending to your situation with AT&T and the Microsoft. Remember, folks, if you have an iPhone and it does not work in your house, contact your carrier, fight them until you can get them to give you a microcell for your house. You should be able to make phone calls and receive phone calls in your house all the time. All right, let's get into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Per the caller asking if there were any apps for the iPhone that alert you if you go over the speed limit. TomTom's very own iOS app has had that feature for years. I use this app all the time before the iOS Google Maps arrived last year. I don't use TomTom app anymore, but I'm still sure the speed limit warnings are there. Regards, Brent in Chicago. Hi, Rob. This is Bob calling from Virginia. I'm just listening to the most recent podcast. And in response to the person who was uh, trying to replace TomTom, actually, I use an app by TomTom. It's, uh, I think, $49 or $59. It's very large. It's about 1.4 gigabytes. But it's great because uh, it does what she asks. It tells you when you're over the speed limit. It gives a little flashing red mile per hour. Uh, the other really nice thing about it, as opposed to things like Waze and Google Maps and even Apple Maps, is that if you don't have Internet access, which happens to me all the time because I live in Virginia but drive in West Virginia a lot, and for some reason, they don't have very good AT&T access there. You can use it without any internet access. All you need is a view of the sky. Uh, so it's the TomTom app. Uh, they have maps for the United States, Canada, Europe. I don't know what else, but it's, it's a great app. And, and actually, uh, additionally, for 19.95 a year, you can get a service that other TomTom users, it monitors their speed, and, and TomTom will, will alert you if there is a traffic jam and reroute you around that traffic jam based on what other TomTom users are experiencing. Anyway, hopefully that helps. Bye. Hi, Rob. For the caller inquiring, Navigon has speed limit notifications customizable to alert you when you are 5, 10, 15, or 20 miles per hour over the speed limit. There are many other great features. Regards, Keith. And Navigon was also mentioned by Barry, Brian, Mike, and Damon, who mentioned the Navigon app lets you set different warning levels for urban, i.e. in-town driving versus rural driving. Hi, Rob. This is Rob in Annapolis. Uh, just calling in reference to the gentleman in episode 262 that was looking for the app 
that will give the speed limits and warn you when you're over the speed limits. I've been using an app called Navigon for a while, since before all the turn-by-turn directions came about. I think it's a great app. I still use it to this day. It is a little bit pricier, and it's not free, but uh, it does provide the speed limits. It also, there's a small purchases, in-app purchases that give you three-dimensional that shows valleys and mountains and all. Also gives you uh, speed cameras. Uh, it just has a lot of features. It has never strayed me wrong, and it's uh, just a great app. It's called Navigon. Thanks. Hi, Rob. The mapping app I use is Magellan Roadmate. It shows the current speed, ETA, speed limit, over-limit sound, red highlighted speed limit. Regards, George B. Hi, Rob. I am a Schwanz man and use GPS Drive Motion X. Speed turns red when you exceed speed limit. It is $10 a year for updates. I have used it for four years with no problems. They are very proactive with great customer service. Regards, Doug. Hi, Rob. About the guy in episode 262 looking for a GPS app that has notifications when you are above the speed limit. Scout Personalized GPS has the features and more great features that, in my opinion, every great GPS app should have. Regards, Jansen. Hi, Rob. I've been using Copilot Live since 2008. It has fantastic features, and yes, the over-speed limit alert settings for 5, 10, 15 miles per hour over. Regards, Dr. Boyce, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Hi, Rob. In response to the question regarding GPS navigation internationally, Sijic, Sijic, S-Y-G-I-C, is a popular offline GPS navigation app, although I don't know many Americans are aware of it. Living in Thailand, I use it all the time, and recently I downloaded and used the North American software during a visit to California. It works superbly. The app includes 3D maps and settable warnings or alerts for railway crossings, speed limits, speed cameras, traffic notifications, and points of interest, just to name a few. It's available in the App Store. It's not free. I have used both Garmin and TomTom, and they both seem underdeveloped and basic compared to Sigic, S-Y-G-I-C. Thanks for the podcast. Love it. Joseph. Thanks to all that called in or wrote in on the GPS question, which it seems most GPS apps give you a warning about speed limits. The ones just mentioned again are TomTom app, the Navigon app, Magellan, Roadmate, GPS Drive Motion X, Scout Personalized GPS, Copilot Live, and SYGIC. So pretty much all the major third-party GPS apps. Here is one more option that is not a GPS-based app. Hi, Rob. Speed HUD, one word, Speed, H-U-D, a driving app shows you how fast you are going by displaying your speed on the reflection of your windshield. You place your phone on the dashboard, and it displays a reverse image of your current speed on the screen, which gets reflected back onto the windshield. It works best at night. H-U-D, for those that don't know it, stands for heads-up display great tool for long distance commuters like me. I set just set this on my dashboard and never have to look down at my speedometer, always keeping my eyes on the road. By the way, it also does kilometers per hour and you can set warnings to alert you when you exceed a specified speed. Regards, Eric Boyles. On the last show, we had a caller that asked about phone service in Thailand. Here is some of the feedback received on that. Hi Rob, this is in reply to the listener who's traveling to Thailand in April. There are three main carriers here, AIS, True, and DTAC. 
Although I have a contract with True, I would recommend AIS as, in my experience, they have better coverage. You can get an AIS SIM card in the telephone section of most department stores or from their dedicated agent, TeleWiz. There are TeleWiz shops in most shopping malls. On another note, if your listener was hoping to use Apple Maps here, then forget it. There are only They are only in Thai. Google Maps is very good, or there is a dedicated map app for Thailand called Nostra, N-O-S-T-R-A, which is free in English and Thai, and contains a ton of information. Hope this helps, and thanks for the show. Regards, Keith in Thailand. Hi, Rob. There here is the info on the cellular operators in Thailand. For the best coverage, I'd go with AIS. They have many packages to choose from, and you can get the SIM cards from any local 7-Eleven stores or many other convenience stores. Generally, the cost and quality of cellular service are very good in Thailand. Hope your listeners find this useful. By the way, have a wonderful trip. Best regards, Paul M. Hi, Rob. For your listener going to Thailand, I recommend him to use True as a provider. Buy a prepaid SIM card at any 7-Eleven store, of which there are thousands literally. True has the best 3G network and fast internet. Regards, Joost in Bangkok. Hi, Rob. For the listener coming to Thailand, here is what he needs to know about service providers. There are three main providers, AIS, True, and DTAC, D-T-A-C. All three offer 3G service and pay-as-you-go plans. I use DTAC, good coverage in the areas the listener is visiting, and the least expensive. While he, When he arrives at the international airport, there should be a kiosk offering free DTAC SIM cards, but if not, 7-Eleven stores sell SIM cards for approximately $3, and there is a 7-Eleven on every street in Thailand. With regards to data plans, I would recommend a 1 gig slash edge unlimited plan for 30 days, which will cost approximately $15 CDN. You can reload with additional top-ups of 1 gig of data during the month for approximately $5 each. Two cautions. He may need to phone DTAC customer support to activate 3G service as well as purchase the data plan. That's easy. Put the cash on the on his number at any 7-Eleven and then phone 1678 greater than 4 to complete uh, this a, with a live person who will speak English and make sure to have them confirm his phone is activated for 3G. Hope this helps. Rob in Thailand. Hi, Rob. The best cellular network in Thailand is AIS. They are 3G in most of Thailand and 4G in select areas. Avoid DTAC. They offer spotty service and incredibly slow internet access if available at all. The only other choice is True, and I can't recommend that service either, even if their service is better than DTAC. Thanks, Joseph. And finally, hi, Rob. Regarding carriers in Thailand, you can most likely buy prepaid SIM cards easily and cheaply in many locations, including your arrival airport. Just remember to bring a SIM card cutter, as although micro-SIMs are not unheard of, they are not nearly as common as mini-SIMs. I purchased a cutter for $6 a while ago, and it works great. Regards, Kevin Barry. Now, I could have picked just one or two of those voicemail messages to read, and you would be completely knowing what to do. But rather, I decided to read them all where he had conflicting information. So now you're probably more confused than before. 
It looks like you have three choices to choose from, and depending on who you talk to, each of those choices are a good or bad choice. Hey, never hurts to help. Hey, Rob, this is BJ Miller from Cleveland, Ohio, calling in response to a caller that had asked about using the iPad as a uh, secondary monitor over Wi-Fi. I've been using Air Display for quite some time now, probably about a year, year and a half or so, and uh, it works great. In fact, I just recently upgraded my MacBook uh, 2007 first, which I was working with, to a 2012 MacBook Pro Retina 13-inch. And uh, not only can you use it with that, but I also have uh, an HDMI monitor hooked up and then also use Air Display as a third monitor, which turned out really, really well. So just wanted to give that update. Thanks for all you do. Bye-bye. All right. For our listener, Brad, looking for an app to download YouTube videos, the MicTube app, M-C-T-U-B-E app, will allow you to cache videos and make playlists. It'll cost you $2 for all the features, but is by far my favorite YouTube app. Playlists will have to be managed manually, but as far as I know, it's the only option for making playlists of cache videos. Hope this helps. Regards, Travis P. Hi, Rob. This is John in Virginia. Brad from Colorado Springs called in to your last show and was asking about a way to download video podcasts, basically. Um, I think he was using a uh, specific podcast app, Downcast, I think it was. And while I haven't found a podcast app that will do that, over on the um, Cydia store, I use uh, ProTube, which I downloaded for a couple bucks, and it allows you to download YouTube videos to save locally on your iOS device. And then a companion app called Bridge, which is also one or two dollars, I think, will basically port those videos directly into your videos app, native on your device. So while it's not a separate podcast app, it is a great way to download those videos and get them directly into your video player native on the device. So ProTube and Bridge works well for me. Thanks. Hope it helps. Travis and John, thanks for your feedback, and thanks to Tash for the heads up on this next tip. And that is for those with a Mac and looking to import photos faster than with iPhoto. What you can do is connect your iPhone to your Mac via the USB cord, open the preview app, click on File, then Import from your iOS device name, which you'll see listed down in the lower right. Uh, You will then see a group of files you can drag and drop anywhere on your Mac. This is nice if all you want to do is take a photo and bring it into your Mac to use in, say, Keynote or some other program. Once you see the icons of the photos, you can easily drag and drop that photo to your desktop. It's a nice little feature. And again, Tash, thanks for the heads up on that. And thanks to Tash again and Michael for this next one, which is about Apple's new two-step authentication process for iCloud and new devices you add to your iCloud account iCloud users can set up two-step authentication now for Apple IDs by going to appleid.apple.com and then select password and security option and then by going through the steps of the process. So again, appleid.apple.com and you can set up two-step authentication for your iCloud accounts on your iOS devices. More rumors on the 5th Gen iPad. Top of them being it will be released in April this month, which means Apple better get on it because, you know, if you're going to have an event, you're going to have to actually have the event before to announce it and then to get it launched in April. So Apple really needs to chop, chop, get on it. Also said Apple released 5th Gen iPad 
will also have inductive charging. So not only are they predicting the 5th gen iPad will be announced and released this month, that said, iPad will also have inductive charging. The reasoning behind this rumor is the 4th gen iPad was just a minor change from the 3rd gen, and now that sales of it are getting beat by the iPad mini, Apple needs to do something fast to right the ship of the iPad Maxi sales, which I guess kind of makes sense. If reports of the iPad Maxi sales are correct, and we should have a better idea of that in the next couple of weeks when Apple does its quarterly conference call. And then, yes, I would expect the iPad Maxi to be the next Apple device to have upgrades, especially if said iPad Maxi sales are not what Apple and everyone else had hoped they would be. I would also expect the case of the next iPad Maxi to be different than the current iPad in appearance, as it really has not changed much in the past three generations of the iPad. This next one is really not so much rumors about Appleware, but speculation, which is a fancy name for pulling stuff from one's backside. And the one doing the pulling from their backside this time is Cater Huberty of Morgan Stanley. Yes, the same Katie Huberty that has traditionally been the biggest bear on Apple. She is now speculating that the iPhone 5S will release this year with a killer feature that will be part of iOS 7. Essentially, another feature on par or greater than Siri was for the 4S. This will be rolled out with the iPhone 5S, and she's also expecting the 5S to look identical to the 5, just like the 4S was identical to the 4 on the outside. And no, Katie did not even hint at what said killer feature would be because, well, you know, she has limits on her speculation, I guess. Or it's easier to look smarter later on if she was as vague as possible now. Just saying. Thanks to Stephen W. for this next one, which is about Apple adding a new warning in the iOS App Store if an app has in-app purchases with a message next to the app in the App Store that says, quote, offers in-app purchases, unquote. This, I guess, is in response to a slew of recent, my five or six-year-old ran up thousands of dollars buying virtual games, coins, or veggies in some app. Because, you know, that whole restrict in-app purchase option is so hard to turn on. Folks, if you have kids and you give them an iOS device, set up restrictions, go to settings, then general, then restrictions, then turn off in-app purchases. It's that simple. I really have no sympathy for parents that give their kids an iOS device to use and don't turn off in-app purchases after all the reports in the past, and I'm sure all the ones in the future. Into the email bag. Hi Rob, you seem to like making the distinction between Android shipping numbers and actual sales and devices accessing the internet, making the point that iOS devices appear to be used rather than sitting on a shelf. Well, add these figures. In a screenshot of the dashboard for the in-house Wi-Fi network for a New England Patriots game this past fall, there are 10,866 unique iOS devices compared to only 2,915 Android devices. Pretty clear stat. If one was being unkind, it might also be assumed that there might be more Android users, but they are either too scared or to use their devices in public or too scared to go out in public but that would be unkind. As always, love your show and never miss it, so thanks and hello to Chris from London and Tash. Love hearing their tips. Regards, Russell Emerson from Adelaide, Australia. 
Well, thanks, Russell, for the link to the screenshot showing those numbers. And uh, I have a link to that in the show notes over at todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, folks, you know another place the iPhone 5 trounced the Galaxy S4? Is on Twitter. As in how many people were tweeting about said devices when they first launched. There were 2.4 million tweets about the iPhone 5 versus just 440,000 for the S4. Now, some of these tweets on both sides were not always positive. If you go by comparing positive tweets between the two, then there were 1.75 million positive tweets for the iPhone 5 versus just 356,000 positive tweets for the S4, putting it at basically a 5 to 1 ratio of positive tweets for the iPhone 5 versus the 6.4. This based on tweets on the day the devices were announced. I was originally going to have my four-year-old son do the read on this next story because he likes to make up crazy stories that make no sense. But alas, waking him up close to 11 o'clock at night to do the read would not sit well with mommy. This story is about Frank Shaw from Microsoft talking about how Windows Phone has reached a 10% market share in a number of countries and they have shipped more than the iPhone in seven of those countries. This is supposedly from data from IDC on worldwide shipments for last quarter. The New York Times is reporting that said seven countries are India, Poland, Russia, South Africa, Ukraine, and a group called Rest of Europe which is one of my favorite vacation spots. Should be interesting to see if Microsoft will also include numbers about units activated anytime soon. Just saying. Hey Rob, it's Tracy from Nashville, and I just wanted to give you a quick update. On the last show, I had sent in something saying that using Browser Changer, a jailbreak app that allows you to use Google Chrome instead of Safari, uh, had a bug with it, and it would not work if I was trying to use the universal search or Siri. It would basically crash and reboot into safe mode. And like a day after your episode came out, there was an update for that, and I tested it, and it's working fine now, uh, which is pretty great. And that's all. Thanks. As always, keep up the great work. Hey, Rob. I'm going to be going to Canada in a couple weeks, and I wanted to have a prepaid SIM for my iPad so I could use data in Canada. I have a Verizon iPad 3, and I was just wondering if anyone could recommend or tell me how hard it's going to be, or hopefully how you can tell me how easy it's going to be to have a prepaid SIM in Canada. Regards, Chris J. Hi, Chris. I will send this out to the audience. If anyone out there has taken a Verizon iPad to Canada and was able to get a prepaid local data SIM card to work, please let us know which one you used and roughly what it cost and how much data you got. And of course, if there was anything special you had to do to get it to work. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, this is a review of the app SnapGuide. It is available for the low, low price of free. The app lets anyone create a simple how-to guide and share it with the world. Browsing through the guides is fun and addictive. There are guides on anything from food to arts and crafts. You can learn some great and unique things. Creating guides is just as easy. You give your guide a name, optional description, supplies list, and as many panels as you need. Each panel can contain a text, a photo, or a video, along with a caption. Users can leave a comment for any panel or overall guide, as well as like it. The app keeps track of how many comments, views, and likes each guide has gotten. 
as great as it is and being free, there's no reason anyone shouldn't own it. I can't think of one negative thing about it. I hope fellow listeners enjoy this app and learn something new. You can follow me, user Lou Valencia. Regards, Lou V. Thanks, Lou, for the review. Remember, folks, if you have a favorite app you would like to review on the show, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email you like, like Lou did, to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. I recently decided to give a family member my old iPhone 3G as a gift. I did a full wipe, AT&T unlock, and restored to iOS 4.2.1, the last version iOS supported for the 3G. The problem is now the iPhone has no apps. Virtually every app I try to install requires iOS 4.3.3 or later. From an app's perspective, this iPhone 3G has become useless. It's shocking how hard it is to find any apps that will still run on iOS 4.2.1, even very simple old apps. Previous versions of apps are not carried in the App Store anymore, and current versions just don't won't install. Is there a way via jailbreak, presumably, to get and install older versions of essential apps like Skype, Viber, Twitter, etc. I'd appreciate any advice on the subject. Regards, Mazin. First, if you have an old iPhone, first gen, or 3G, best not to be syncing said device anymore. I know I have many apps working just fine on my original iPhone that I never sync anymore because if I synced it up, I'd lose them. But if someone knows of a resource or app out there that makes it easy to find apps for those older devices running pre-iOS 4.3 software, please let us know. 206-666-6364 206-MOON-DOG or send the email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob, and all your valued listeners. This is Russell Emerson from Adelaide with a review of two free apps which, together, provide my essential news surfing and read-later combination. I rely on RSS feeds from news services and blogs. They keep me entertained and informed. Now, the free app Feedly, that's F-E-E-D-L-Y, processes these feeds smoothly and reliably with a clever use of the iOS touch interface. You swipe to move through lists or individual stories, and you touch and hold to save them for later. And there is full connectivity with Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, to make sure your friends know exactly the stories about Star Wars that you like, and, of course, those financial market shortcomings that you put in to make yourself seem serious. I use Feedly as a front end to my Google Reader account, which Google says it is dropping from July the 1st. And Feedly says it will automatically import my feeds after that support ends, and that's an attractive option because it will mean that I don't have to enter each feed individually yet again, but I'll still be backing up to be on the safe side. Feedly says you can save stories for later, but when I last checked, this didn't allow for offline reading, and that's where the free Pocket Reader app comes in. A Pocket Reader is an excellent read-it-offline-later app that has a simple and clean interface. Its search capability could be improved. It tends to favour headlines and URLs rather than content, but it is the first app I turn to if I want to kill some time, especially if I don't have access anywhere else. Uh, there are some black spots in Adelaide, and I have built up an addiction, so the offline capability is a must. A Pocket Reader also has full social media and email connectivity, so your friends can't escape your posts, even if you're reading it months after it was first published, unless they get in first, of course. Both Feedly and Pocket Reader are available and uh, free from the App Store. As always, Rob, thanks very much for your hard work. It's much appreciated. Bye. Russell, thanks for the reviews of Feedly and Pocket Reader. I went to big Kansas City conference this past week. Want to guess where it was located? The conference was a tech-slash-entrepreneur conference, 
At the event, I had the opportunity to interview Adam Wilson, founder of Orbotics, whom are the makers of Sphero. Sphero is a robot ball that is controlled by your iOS device and also can be used to control your iOS device. Let's play the interview with Adam. Yeah, my name is Adam Wilson. I'm the um, chief software architect for Orbotics. We make Sphero. Uh, Sphero is a robotic ball you can control with your smartphone and the iOS or Android devices. Basically, the idea of Sphero is it's a ball that can become anything. So the applications that are running on the smart tablet or the smartphone are what change what Sphero becomes. So it's much more than just like a remote control ball. It's a remote control ball that has sensors that knows about its world and can report that back to you. And it's connected. So you connect with your friends, play games of tag, pretty much do anything. Now, you had the presentation, it's inductively charged. Yeah, that's correct. So it's inductively charged, it's waterproof, it's really, really durable. So waterproof, is it means you can put it into the pool, it'll be okay for how long? Is it just like, don't put it in the pool, or is it really waterproof? It's actually really, really waterproof. It's one of the factory-made tests, like dunk it in some water, make sure it's waterproof. And people have actually created games around pool play. So, you know, toss it in the pool, you got to shake it as fast as you can. And it's kind of like about who can get to it first. Now, it's controlled with an iOS device and, and Android devices too. But iOS devices, what version of iOS do you have to be running? Um, so we go all the way down to iOS 4.2. So just because we, we notice a lot of moms and dads give their old iPhone 3 to the kid when they get the new one. And that's kind of our demographic. So we want to make sure it kind of works on the older stuff. Our new augmented reality stuff, which is kind of the new groundbreaking things for Morbotics, are for iOS 6 and most of the newer phones. And it runs via Bluetooth. Yeah, that's correct. So it's via uh, Bluetooth 2.0, not Bluetooth Low Energy. Um, so you do have to still pair to the device. But the reason we chose Bluetooth is we've played with a lot of toys or gadgets that are Wi-Fi enabled, and we don't like that setup. And especially as like we tested those kind of setups, kids want to play as fast as possible, and so do adults. We all want to just go fast. And so Bluetooth lets you shake the ball, and it's connected instantly. So how much does a Sphero cost? So a Sphero is $129.99 um, at the Apple Store or Brookstone or other places like that. And there's also always deals going on on our website. So You mentioned in the, you get a lot of data back. So I'm going to ask an iOS-centric question. What percentage of your users are iOS users versus Android? We have 72%. So a large majority of our users are iOS. And it's kind of funny, though. The Android users are a lot more vocal. It doesn't work on my device or something like that. And the iOS users are much more kind of complacent. It's, all right, it's awesome. So how long has this year been out? Um, about a year and a half. So we, we kind of started taking pre-orders about two years ago. A year and a half ago, we kind of finished manufacturing. It's still a process. We're still getting it right and making changes all the time, but about a year and a half ago. What are some of the more unique or funny uses people have done with Sphero? So we have an SDK and an API, so anybody can build apps or anything they want. We've also open sourced the hardware. So that's something not very, I've never seen that done, where we give you the schematic, do whatever you want. If, we know that most people won't be able to copy what we've done here because it's all in firmware. But so we give people the schematic. The craziest thing anybody's ever done is actually one of our employees on our hack day, he turned this Nerf gun into pretty much a death gun. We like upped the voltages on up the motors and then he, uh, he put a sphere board on it and he just sat it at our CEO's table. And uh, the CEO comes in and starts working and he's just sitting there with his little joker button, you know, shooting the CEO from this gun sitting on the table. So it's really the sky's the limit. Party gap apps, we never really saw drinking games come out of this. We're like, I didn't see that one coming, but there's actually some drinking games people have made out of it. 
Now, in the video you showed, there was a part where people are picking it up when it comes to different colors or picking it up for motion. So it's not just about running it. It's also about it being a motion detector and using it as a controller. Yeah, correct. So all the sensors in Sphero allow us to, you know, detect whether you're tilting it or moving it or grabbing it or any of those things. And so we've come up with some pretty clever realms of play. So driving is one of the realms, but tabletop games are another realm where, yeah, you saw the color change red and somebody's trying to grab it because they're red. They're trying to get it faster than anybody else. You mentioned you have the SDK. Are there any apps out there that people can go and find that are using the SDK already? Yeah, there are. There's a few of them. A few of the more controller-based apps where you hold Sphere in your hand. There's one that's called The Rolling Dead, which is a pretty awesome one. Also, the last it's called Last Fish. Um, those are controller-based games. And then, as far as like driving-based games, a third-party developer did make our tag game, which is a very, very popular game for us. So he just made it and gave us the source code and was like, I don't have the resources to put more art or anything in this, but I made this and it's really fun. We put the art and resources and released it, and you know he gets credit at the end. Why are you here at Big Kansas City? I mean, for one, was the interest in the Midwest entrepreneurial community. You know, we see it in Boulder and then Silicon Valley. It's got to be pretty cool out here too. And then um, I asked Brad Feld, who did Big Omaha a few years ago, and I said, "How was the big events?" And he's like, "Awesome, you have to go." And so I'm here. Again, your name and where people can go to find the Sphero. So my name is Adam Wilson, and you can go to GoSphero.com. I want to thank Adam for his time. I had a chance to briefly play with the Sphero, and I was really, really surprised at how easy it was to operate it. This is nothing, nothing like the remote control helicopter, which really is just a lesson in controlling one's temper as your helicopter crashes and breaks multiple times. Nope, the Sphero was easy to use right away. Kudos to them on getting such a good UI. I have one of them coming my way, and I'm looking forward to seeing how my two boys do controlling it and we'll report more about the Sphero on the next few episodes. List price of the Sphero is $130, but you can get it on Amazon for $99 from Brookstone. Link in the show notes. Uh, take a look for that link, uh, Sphero, in the show notes for episode 240, uh, 263. Oh, yeah, going back in time, episode 263. For those curious, the interview was done on my iPhone using the iRig MicCast. So that was my mic, and that's from IK Multimedia. And I did the recording on the Boss Jock app. And that is pretty much my standard configuration now for mobile interviews. The Boss Jock app and the iRig MicCast. I love both of those, the app and the device. Thanks to Tash for this next one, which looked like a cool project. It is called ChargeBite, one word, Byte spelled B-I-T-E. And it is on Indiegogo. Current pricing is $20, and what it is is a device where you can transfer a charge from one iOS device to another, or from two devices to one receiving device. Or as they say, quote, ChargeBite is a revolutionary charger that charges your iPhone by transferring power from your friend's iPhones. You can have one or two iPhones supplying power to one iPhone getting power, unquote. And yes, there were so many jokes I could have done there all of which would have lost this show its G rating. Again, I said, looked like a cool project, as in the past week since I have been following it, they've only managed to get $930, $940 of their goal of $45,000. They do have 36 days left, roughly, and it does look like a cool device. And right now you can get it on the early bird special pricing I mentioned of $20, then pricing goes up to $22, and then to $25. Search for ChargeBite, one word, at Indiegogo.com with Byte spelled B-I-T-E. 
Hi, Rob. This is Sam from Las Vegas. I'm calling about a very unique and special app called Alive EKG. It's sold by AliveCore. It's sold as a case and a free app. The case is very expensive. It's $200, but it offers something unique. It lets someone record their EKG directly uh, using the case, and it's able to telemetry back to the iPhone without using Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Uh, it just seems to work directly with it. It's only available for the iPhone 4 and 4S, and they're waiting for FDA approval for the iPhone 5. It's a special app in that if anybody who has basic training with EKGs, such as a nurse or uh, EMT or a regular doctor, it would let you be able to interpret the EKG tracing and see whether or not it's a significant arrhythmia or normal heart rate. Most healthcare professionals have EKG machines or telemetry machines in the hospital or in their office that they can record EKGs fairly easily. But out in the field or outside of the office or in the hospital when telemetry is not immediately available, this case and app lets somebody find out the rhythm right away. It's very simple to use. Download the app, put on the case, register for it, and simply have someone hold the case in their hands and you can get an EKG right away. You can also just put the iPhone directly on the chest and get a reasonable recording as well. This is very different than some of the apps that are out there that let you see your heart rate. This actually shows an EKG tracing and lets someone diagnose what the rhythm is uh, if they know how to read an EKG. Uh, I think this is new in the sense that this lets the case communicate directly with the iPhone without going through Bluetooth, without going through a dongle, and without going through Wi-Fi, uh, the, the case itself has a small little battery. Somehow it's able to transmit directly into the iPhone. Right now it's only available for the 4 and the 4S. They're w actually waiting for FDA approval for the 5 case. The fact that it's FDA approved is impressive in and of itself and the FDA regulates most of these, uh, any medical device. So this one has to be relatively simple, foolproof uh, to work. Thanks. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob. Have you seen this yet? It is an iPhone case that turns it into a satellite phone, apparently without unlocking or jailbreaking. A few other cool features too, like battery recharger, built-in emergency calling button, and works even without the phone in the dock. No word on where or when to get this or the cost. Looks legit, but you never know. Thought I'd share. Regards, Eric Boyles. Hi, Eric. It is a real project, a product, I should say, but just for the iPhone 4 and 4S, not for the iPhone 5. I contacted the manufacturer and was sent a brochure on the product. In a nutshell, per the brochure, their product does not, repeat, does not cover any of the Americas. It does cover Europe, Asia, Australia, and most of Africa, sans South Africa and Madagascar. And it also looks like New Zealand's out of its touch, uh, out of its range as well. So if your travel plans will bring you to North America, South America, Central America, South Africa, Madagascar, or New Zealand, this is not the product for you. No info on pricing, but I did contact about them about that. And if they have a reply back about the pricing, I'll let you know. But since they saw I'm in the U.S., they might not send me any pricing info. Hi, this is Dalton Martina from Bakersfield, California. I was going to do a quick product review of the Blue Ant Q3 Bluetooth headset. Actually, it's a really fantastic headset. I have had Blue Ant in the past. I've had a lot of different headsets in the past. And this one has 
done what I could not find any other hand, uh, headset, and it gave me uh, four really good and a fifth bonus feature. Uh, the first one is hands-free caller ID and answering. So if I get a phone call, it tells me who's calling, and I can just say answer or ignore, and I'll pick up or ignore it. Also, it has you hit the button twice, and it will activate Siri, so like hands-free type. Well, not, yeah, kind of hands-free type for Siri. And also a battery meter on the phone so I can see how much battery I have left. So it screams audio to it. does really good with noise canceling. I can drive with my windows half down and talk, and people are telling me I sound fine. They don't hear anything. The really good headset. It just came out. I pre-ordered it, and I just got it in a couple of days ago. And the fifth bonus I like, it has a fantastic battery life. I was using a Bose Series 2 beforehand, and before that, I was using the Blue Ant Q3, or Q2. The battery lives are mediocre, about three hours talk time, four hours talk time. This, I have been on the phone quite a bit, and it still shows my battery as being almost completely full. It's a very good handset. It goes for 100 bucks at the Blue Ant store. I So far, no stores that I know have received it, no retail chains, but... Anybody looking for a really good Bluetooth headset uh, should check it out. All right. Thank you for your time and uh, enjoy the show. Thanks for everything you do. Cheers. Hi, Rob. I'm using the paid version of the Westminster Chimes app on my iPhone 4S running 6.0. The app works well, but after the last upgrade, I no longer hear voice over announce the actual time, i.e. 5 o'clock p.m., 10.30 a.m., etc., when the chimes sound on the hour and half hour. I was wondering if there is an additional setting in the app and or notification center to bring this feature back. Do you or any of your listeners have any suggestions? Regards, Adam. Hi, Adam. Sometimes after upgrades, some apps have issues. You can try deleting the app, having the issue um, you're having the issue with, and then with the same iTunes account, re-download the app. Best to do this directly on the iOS device. Sometimes that fixes the issues. But if anyone has any suggestions for Adams other than that, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And again, the app he was talking about was Westminster Chime app. And Adam, if you haven't upgraded already, go upgrade to 6.1.2 and see if that helps you at all. And if you don't plan to jailbreak, you should upgrade to 6.1.3. Hi, Rob. I was wondering if there is an app that would let the iPhone 4S jailbroken running iOS 6.1.2 run an iPad app. TNT only has an app for the iPad, and I would love to watch some of their shows on my iPhone 4S. Thanks for any help you can provide. Regards, Janet. Janet, I am not aware of any apps jailbroken-wise that will allow you to run iPad apps on your iPhone 4S. That does not mean there are not said apps out there. So if anyone out there knows of a jailbroken app or jailbreak app or jailbroken app or an app for jailbreaking, an app in the city store that allows you to run iPad apps on your iPhone 4S, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Hey, Rob. I'm just wondering if you or any of your listeners know any good apps for typing Dvorak on an iOS device. I know how to change it so my Bluetooth keyboard will be by Dvorak or be a Dvorak keyboard, but Apple has not made Dvorak an option for on-screen keyboards. 
Any help would be much appreciated. Regards, Bem from productivitypad.blogspot.com. And again, I'm going to send that one out to the listeners because I don't have any clue on any Dvorak keyboards. Uh, I'm assuming this is going to have to be a jailbreak tweak of some sort. Hello, Rob. I want to review a Cydia tweak called coloredknob.it. Basically, it allows you to change the color of your slide to unlock knob. You can change it into any color you want. It is free in the Cydia store, and I enjoy it a lot. Regards, Nick from Greece. Hi, Rob. This is John from Virginia with a question for you and the listeners. I work at a company uh, whose security policies are such that I am not allowed to bring a device that has photographic capability, nor ever had photographic capability, so a... um, A removed camera module is not good enough. Therefore, I have to leave my iPhone in the car all day and forward my calls to my dumb phone. It's just a major inconvenience going through the settings app to find the phone settings and then turning on call forwarding. It's just unnecessary steps. So I jailbroke my iPhone 4S recently with the evasion jailbreak. Was happy to find a uh, tweak that works with SB settings to install a call forwarding toggle, uh, much like the uh, various toggles SB settings allows you to use, uh, like brightness and Bluetooth and airplane mode, etc. So problem is I installed it and it just doesn't work. The toggle is not activating or deactivating call forwarding for me. There was some notes in the um, Cydia store under this item saying to um, make sure you have the number that you're forwarding to set prior to activating the toggle, which I did. That still hasn't helped. I'm wondering if anyone had any experience with this toggle. Getting it to work, if at first it didn't, would be a major convenience over the default iOS workflow to turn on call forwarding, which is one of the major reasons I uh, I jailbroke the phone to begin with, because uh, I think a lot of the tweaks that are out there just add a lot of those convenience factors that Apple isn't giving us yet. So any help the listeners can provide, I would greatly appreciate. Thanks for the show. Listen every week. Keep up the good work. Bye. If anyone can help John out, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? There's uh, one question that I have for your audience, which is that I have already done my jailbreak with the new, the most recent that was available. But you know what? It's a lot buggier than the previous version. And I was just wondering if it's the same thing for your audience that whenever I get a text or something and I try to use Siri, it'll completely shut down. Whenever I try to do a tweet or anything, it'll shut down. You know, it just out of nowhere, whenever I try to do anything from waking it up, it'll it'll shut down. I don't know if it's the, the version or if it's somewhat normal. I know we we do get bugs with jailbreak, but this one is way too buggy compared to the previous version. And, you know, I was just wondering about your the rest of your audience, if that is the same experience or not. All right, thank you. When you jailbreak, it might be a little bit less stable when you initially jailbreak, but basically it should be just almost as stable as it not being jailbroken. As you add more and more city apps and tweaks, then it starts to become less stable. So if you've uninstalled all your Cydia apps and tweaks and are still having an unusable and unreliable setup, then what you need to do is do a factory fresh restore 
and then do a make sure you upgrade to iOS 6.1.2, not 6.1.3. So do a restore to 6.1.2, factory restore to 6.1.2, and then re jailbreak it. Sometimes when you jailbreak it, you have a bad jailbreak and, and the units become very unstable with no other apps installed. If that's your case, you do need to do a factory restore to 6.1.2 and then re jailbreak it and you should see a nice stable environment. Now, if you have lots of apps, city apps installed, un start uninstalling. First, get rid of all the ones you don't use. And then if that doesn't make it more stable, then start removing apps one at a time until your device becomes more stable. Thanks to Michael for the heads up on this next one, which is about iOS 6.1.3 update. Seems in the notes on what was updated, when mentioning bug fixes and other improvements, Apple gives credit for four of the fixes four of the six fixes they did to the evaders dev team that created the evasion jailbreak. Of course, even more reasons if you want to jailbreak at any time to stay away from 6.1.3, for at least for now. But still, nice to see Apple giving the jailbreakers some cred. Now, there is some reports or are some reports about iOS 6.1.3 being jailbroken and with a tethered jailbreak, that is. But given the issue with another passlock bypass, it is clear Apple will be releasing iOS 6.1.4 shortly. If I was to guess, I would say it will be after 6.2 is released before the evasion team uh, releases a new jailbreak into the world. So again, if you're thinking of jailbreaking, do not upgrade to 6.1.3. Stay at 6.1.2 uh, because I don't see a new evasion type jailbreak for anything past 6.1.2 until at least iOS 6.2 and then sometime after that for them to work all the issues out. All right, I would love to see an update to this article titled My 10 Favorite Apps to Share Content Between iOS and OS 10. Wondering if listeners can possibly recommend their favorite iOS slash OS 10 sharing apps as I've purchased my new iMac. Regards, Tash, and the 10 apps that are mentioned in the article she sent a link to, which will be over at the show notes for episode 263 over at todayonios.com. And the 10 apps mentioned were Push Browser, Handoff, Send to Mac, My Phone Desktop, Pastebot, Evernote, which I use and really like, Scotty, iFiles, Simple Note, and Dropbox and look for the item titled My 10 Favorite Apps to Share Content Between iOS and OS 10. What I'd also like to hear are what are some of people's favorite sharing apps between iOS and Windows. But either way, if you want to share data, images, video, notes, whatever between your iOS device and your computer, let us know what apps are your go-to apps and what platform you are on. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks, Tash, for this next one, which is about the free app Big Brother Camera Security. How this is supposed to work is if you enable the app and put it to sleep, put your iOS device to sleep, if someone wakes the iPhone up, the app is there asking for a passcode. And it takes a picture of anyone that tries to unlock it and email said photo to an email you pick. A couple of issues with this app. One, you have to remember to launch it before you put it to sleep. So unless you think someone is messing with your iPhone and are leaving it there as bait, it's not really useful. 
too. The other issue is I could not get it to work right. But hey, it's free. In theory, when you go into accessibility settings and turn on guided access, it should not allow you to minimize an app you are in, in theory. Because a few clicks or a few quick clicks of the home button and the app quit or minimized again. I could not get it to work correctly. Maybe it's an issue with my iPhone being jailbroken. Anyway, the thought is nice, but the only way for this feature to really ever work well is for Apple to build it in or for it to be a jailbroken app. Uh, that is always running in the background uh, as part of your lock screen. Otherwise, its only real use is as a sting operation where you leave the app active and you leave your iPhone where others can get to it to see if they are actually getting to it. Hi, Rob. This is Bryce Cooley from Sacramento, California. I had a quick question. My wife's uh, iPhone 4S with iOS 6.0.1 dies pretty quickly throughout the day just through minimal use. Um, It's in her pocket most of the time at work or whatever, and I'm trying to find a solution for her uh, that doesn't involve her putting her phone in airplane mode all the time. Uh, And there used to be an option available in iOS where you could... uh, enable or disable 3G, but it doesn't seem that there is one to enable or disable 4G. Um, I've noticed on some of the sites that there is an option when she has LTE, but since she just has uh, 4G through AT&T, that is not an option somehow. I'm wondering if there's some jailbreak solution that I'm missing. I've looked all over and I can't find anything, so I thought I would throw it out to the audience. Um, I know the BatSaver app uh, through Cydia, but again, it talks more about 3G than it does 4G, so specifically something that deals with 4G. If you have any insight, love to hear it. Hope you're having a great day. Bye. Hi, Bryce. The first thing I would have suggested is going to 6.1.2. So there was issues with battery life with the 6.0 series, especially if your wife is using Exchange Server at all. So if that's the case, you're going to want to look at upgrading to 6.1.2. So you're going to have to find the 6.1.2 ISPW file for your device, download it to your desktop, and then do the update uh, to that from your de- from your machine holding down. I think it's either the option or the command key if you're on a Mac. I can't remember the keys that are on a PC. But if you hold down one of the option or command keys or control key on on a PC, you'll see, or the alt key, you'll see the option to pick a file, pick that file, do the upgrade to that 6.1.2 ISPW file for 6.1.2 for your 4S, and then see if our battery life improves. If it doesn't, well, then call us back and let us know. But again, if you're having issues with battery life and you're not at the latest version of the iOS or at least 6.1.2, that could be the main reason why. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. On show 261, one of the listeners asked how he can make free calls on his iPad over Wi-Fi for free in the UK. For BT customers, you can download the free BT Smart Talk app and you can add up to four iOS devices and link them to your account. It works on both Wi-Fi and 3G, and I believe it works abroad too. Also, for O2 customers, you can download the free TU Go app, so T-U space Go app, 
from O2. And it works as you were using your phone for calls, voicemail, and SMS. And the main purpose is to use it abroad and avoid roaming charges. I think due to competition, we will see more operators offer the same service soon. For a free soft phone client, you can use Talk a Tone, Talk a Tone, one word. And as for the best soft phone client, I am using Acrobits Soft Phone SIP phone for VoIP calls for $6.99. And there are many VoIP providers in the UK with line rental as low as $2.50, $2.50. £2.5 a month on a rolling contract. Hope this helps your listeners. Best regards, Vangelis. Hi, Rob. Just want to drop a line and point out a small error in TII-262. It was stated that call recording is based on the law in the state where the recording is being made, regardless of the other state's laws. In fact, it is based on the more strict of the states. So if anybody on the call is in an all-party notification state, then everyone on the call must be notified before anyone on the call can record. This is often done by advising that the call may be recorded for quality assurance purposes, or simply by stating that it is a recorded line. The all-party notification states are California, Connecticut, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Montana, Nevada, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Washington. Regards, Chris in Iowa. Hi, Chris. Thanks for the heads up. Seems there was one case where a precedence was set. Kearney versus Solomon, Smith Barney, 2006, tried in California, where it was determined that if a caller in a one-party state records a conversation with someone in a two-party state, the caller recorder is subject to the stricter of the laws and must have consent from all callers. Note, this has not been pushed up to the Supreme Court, so that ruling could fall. But right now, the only precedent seems to be if you are calling from one of those 12 states mentioned, um, or calling into one of those 12 states mentioned. You need to give a verbal notification, i.e., hey, I'm recording this. You don't have to ask permission, but it seems you do need to give notification. Guess the feeling is if the person does not want to be recorded, they'll just hang up. If this all seems confusing, Remember, this is just the U.S. we are talking about. Once you add in other countries, it gets way, way, way more confusing, and hence why you are likely never going to see Apple build in call recording or approve apps that specifically for call recording. It is just a legal nightmare. Hi, Rob. I assume that is you wearing the Warby Parker glasses on the front page of Today and iOS website. I like those frames. I think uh, they would look good on my face. Please tell me which model of Warby Parker they are. Thanks, Itamar. Hi, Itamar. Yes, those are my Warby Parker glasses in the photo. They are the Sibley, S-I-B-L-E-Y glasses, the Whiskey Tortoise Matte version. Remember, with Warby Parker, you can get them to send you five pairs to try on for free to see how they really look on your face. Then when you actually purchase a pair, remember to use promo code TII to get free two-day shipping on the purchased pair. Hey there, my name is Yaakov, and I appreciate you doing the uh, Today in iOS podcast. It helps me with all kinds of stuff. Anyways, my question for you today is, I often look at my bank statement online or on my phone, and I look at transactions, withdrawals, or deposits, and I forget what they are. F- what they are. 
either checks I wrote or whatever, or, or withdrawals or deposits. Um, I wonder if there's an app that will like somehow like download my bank activity and then allow me to type in notes for a note for next to each uh, transaction and keep a rec record of that. That's my first question. My second question is, just curious, every time you mention your phone number on the show, uh, you always say the number 206-666-6364 or Moondog. Why is your phone number Moondog? Just curious. Thanks. Th thanks again for the show. Take care. Bye. Thanks for the voicemail message. Per your first question and the banking and getting the information out, I'm going to let someone else answer that one. So if anyone has any help they can offer up, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG. And per the 206-MOON-DOG phone number, where that comes from is I was doing a tutorial. I actually created tutorials a little over six years ago before Today in iOS launched, and it was in March of 2007. And two weeks later, I'm getting ready to prep the show, which launched in April of, uh, so launched six years ago in April of 2007. And I was going to get a custom phone number from the service K7.net. And I had done this tutorial before, and I was I, I picked the number 206-666-6364. It was easy to remember to show on the tutorial. Moondog and said, hey, if you have a podcast about dogs, you could use this. I go back to K7 two weeks later to get a custom number for today in iOS. And they had turned off that feature as of April 1st. And I was like, wah, wah, wah. So I had this great number, 206-666-6364, which I thought was really easy to remember. And I said, well, I might as well use it for today in iOS because at least it'll be something that's easy for the listeners. And the moon dog has nothing to do with anything other than it's easy to remember by saying moon dog. So nope, no stories about me getting naked one night and howling at the moon, nothing like that. Now, I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just saying it has nothing to do with why the phone number is what it is. Now, I want to apologize. This episode was a little bit later than I had hoped. Allergy season again. Oh, lovely time of the year for me. So I need to go out and get my roids from my doctor so I can make it through another allergy season. Next episode's probably not going to be up until the end of next week. I am going to be at AdTech the beginning of next week in California, so I will not be able to record early in the week. So next episode, probably not go up sometime until the 12th or the 13th, so Friday or Saturday of the of next week. So going to be another 10, 12 days before the next episode comes out. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, if there's any breaking news, i.e., which I really do expect, I will put a blog post up uh, and I will send out a push notification. I do expect there to be some breaking news between now and the next episode either about the announcement of WWDC or the announcement of an upcoming event sometime here. I mean, we are really way, way overdue. I keep saying that, we're, but we really are way overdue from a special announcement from Apple on updates of some products. And before we go, I do want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MoonDog, which means nothing other than it's easy to remember. Or you can record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback, it can be a question or a comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or a product review, good or bad. As long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for a new artwork to feature in the show that you've created on your iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we always are looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. 
If you want to know when new episodes go up, look at the TII app, not just the best way to consume the show, but also a great way to get push notifications when a new episode goes live. Or there's other iOS breaking news, which again, I do expect between now and episode 264. Just $2.99 in the App Store. It helps you enjoy the show more and it helps support the show at the same time. And it makes it really easy to email and call in the show with your feedback. Again, just search TII in the iTunes App Store. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today on iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII.